This is the best thing going on in Belgrade. Amen. And uh, there should not be one person in this building that is ashamed of inviting anybody to church. Because this is nothing to be ashamed about. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you're feeling what I'm feeling, I'm telling you, everybody in Belgrade ought to feel this. Everybody in Belgrade ought to feel hope, joy, peace, salvation, grace. Hallelujah. Come on, this is a church where we still believe you can be delivered, healed, set free, blessed. Hallelujah. And, and uh, I'm so crazy as to believe that uh, God wants us to go into that new building with a couple of new people. Not just a couple, a lot. Hallelujah. Some, some Spanish-speaking people, some Creole, some French, amen, some, some, amen, some Jamaicans, amen, hallelujah, some Hispanics, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This is, this is one church that believes God wants to save everybody. Amen. Everybody. Amen. And uh, amen. We'll even take poor folk, rich folk. Amen. And because uh, God loves everybody. Somebody say hallelujah. Are you excited about being in the house of God tonight? Amen. I am. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And uh, we're going to begin reading at verse number 2. And then we're going to skip over to verse number 10. So good to see some folks from The Rock down at Fort Myers. And uh, uh, amen. I am very honored to be here tonight with you all. And so uh, I know you normally get to hear from your pastor. So I'm, I'm going to really try to preach my best. Amen. So uh, amen. want to make sure you get fed tonight. And you get a good word from God. Uh, I don't know how much I'm going to preach you know, one man said, when I preach, I yell. When I teach, I tell. So I'm going to preach. So I'm going to kind of uh, talk to you a little bit, and I might holler somewhere in the middle. Amen. But uh, I want to give you the good word of the Lord. Amen. Revelation 21, verse number 2, and then we're going to read verse number 10. Verse number 2 says, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Everyone say, that's us. Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Say, that's us. And then in verse number 10, he says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall, everyone say wall, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, everyone say gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And I want to preach to you tonight on this very simple thought, walls and gates, walls and gates. Can we say that together? Walls and gates. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you so much for letting us be here together and for letting us be here together in your presence. God, I need your anointing right now to preach that I might be able to edify your people and bless them and grace them. Lord, that they might walk out of here empowered, God, and enthused about all that you're doing here in the city of Belglade. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a healthy amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand, tell them I'm glad to be in the church, and you may be seated. As we read our Bibles, we begin to discover that for God, it is very important that his people know who they are. Now, one of the reasons for that is because people have so many different ways of classifying themselves. But when a person gets saved, they have a new classification. Amen. And 
um, and God wants us to understand who we are in Him. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that we know no man after the flesh, which means that when a person is born again and they enter the body of Christ, they are no longer classified as they used to be. Um, I, I, I was born Mexican, but I was born again a Christian. Somebody say hallelujah. And so, uh, but God wants us to understand exactly what it means to be his people. Um, now, the task of helping God's people understand who they are is, is carried out by several different administrations of God's body. Um, this was first done, of course, in the Old Testament by the prophets of old uh, and judges and others that they would they would talk to God's people and try to help them to understand just how unique and how significant they were and how different they were from all the people around them. Later on, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in his earthly ministry continued in this very same vein of trying to help God's people understand who they were. Later on, this task, of course, in your New Testament would be carried out by the apostles who uh, emphatically are all throughout the epistles and, and clear into the book of Revelation here at the end of the Bible are trying to help us to understand who we are. In each, in each case, uh, in each one of these administrations, each one of these offices, each one of these preachers, if I could use that term, uh, they, they pulled from all their, their spiritual, imaginative, and linguistic resources uh, to be able to accomplish the task of helping God's people um, know who they are. Um, whether we're talking about the prophets or Jesus or the apostles, they would use anything they could to try to help us understand who we are. Uh, they would compare us to all kinds of stuff in nature, for example. Uh, when, you, when you read through your Bible, you'll notice that the Bible compares us to all kinds of stuff to trees, to plants, to vineyards, to birds, to sheep, to goats, to beasts of burden, to mountains, to grains of sand, to the sun, to the moon, to the stars, etc. God and his, his ministry uh, would reach for anything to try to help us understand just who we are in him. Each one of these images was deliberate. It was no accident. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were they were very well thought out and intentional. Um, each one of these these examples or these images that were used in the Bible, uh, they they were their intention was to try to wake us up and try to get us to think about what it really means to be God's people. Now, Jesus, um, in my personal opinion, of course, and I think we could all agree here, uh, was probably the best uh, at at helping people understand what it means to be part of God's people. Um, and Jesus' models uh, are fascinating because they are the most far-reaching and inclusive. Uh, they, 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 they reach out with such broadness. Um, for example, uh, you'll notice that, that Jesus had a tendency to make uh, the rulers of his day nervous. Because here's a man that without a microphone can pull 5,000 people out into the middle of the wilderness. That's a lot of people. That's, what, what is the population here in Belgrade? Huh? 14,000. That's, that's just a little bit. Can you imagine if half a, almost half a Belgrade went out? And, and that's actually, 5,000 is just men. That's not even include, including women and children. Can you imagine if one man without a microphone was able to go out into the middle of Belgrade and get half the city to come out. That's a lot. That would make the mayor nervous. <laughs> uh, and and Jesus, Jesus made the mayor nervous. Uh, Jesus made the Jews nervous. Jesus made everybody nervous. But the reason everybody came out to hear Jesus is because everybody understood what he was saying, whether they were rich, poor, educated, it didn't matter. Everybody felt that not only did they understand what he was saying, but that he was talking to them. That they, that to them, 
the, the invitation was being made to come into the house of God, to come into the fold and the flock of God, and to be one of God's people. Now, when Jesus uh, tried to help people understand what it meant to be part of God's people, uh, he, he, he did it in two, there was two specific points he wanted to make. And I'm, we're just warming up here, so don't go to sleep. Some of y'all going to sleep. Uh, he, he did it, he wanted us to understand two different things. Number one, who we are to God. Um, number two, who we are to the world. We got to understand who we are in relation to the world and who we are in relation to God. Somebody say amen. I know a lot of people that know who they are or who they think they are in God, but have no idea who they're supposed to be to the world. I know some people that that are, you know, you meet people that they know who they're supposed to be to the world, but they don't know who they are in God. And so, but but Jesus wants us to understand both. And I'll I'll, I'll begin I'll begin on this end. I I I want to elaborate a little bit here tonight on on who we are, who we're supposed to be in relation to the world. When when Jesus tried to help us understand who we're supposed to be. In relationship to the world, he used some very interesting imagery. Um, number, I'll start here. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. Uh, now, when he said that, uh, he is he is referencing a candle. He is saying we are we are the we are a candle to the world. Uh, several times throughout the Bible, we are called uh, the church is referred to as a candle. Amen. We are we are now. It's kind of hard for us to understand because when we think light, we think electric light. In the Bible, they didn't have electricity. And so uh, when Jesus says you're a candle, what is he saying? What does it mean to be a candle? Well, number one, let's let's just look at some of the functions of a candle. Number one, a candle lights up the room. I'm preaching good. You didn't catch that. You're supposed to light up the room, people. Amen. That's why we that's why we rejoice. That's why we dance. That's why we stir up the Holy Ghost. Hey, I believe with all of my heart, I don't care whether you're at Walgreens or you're at school or wherever you're at, you should have the joy of the Lord. I know we I know we're not happy all the time and we have trials and tribulations. But we should be so on fire for God. There should be something about us that lights up the room. There should be something about us that when we walk into a place, there is a witness that 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 projects itself through our spirit. There is there is something about us that people recognize. That's those people that go to the Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the. Amen. We believe in holiness and outward holiness, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But there should be something in your spirit. There's you, 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 you know, you ought to not walk around all day angry with a long face. Amen. Long faces are for horses. Amen. We ain't horses. Amen. We're candles. Hallelujah. We're we're children of God. There. Some of y'all need to look happy right now. Amen. We need to be happy. We need to smile. We need to have joy. Gozo, alegria, hallelujah, happiness, amen. There should, we got something to be happy about. You've been saved. You've been rescued. You should have been dead and you're alive. That's something to be happy about. You should have been divorced, but you're still married. That's something to be happy about. You should have died in the hospital, but here you are. That's something to be happy about. That's something to light up the room about. Amen. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. The Apostle Paul said, I think myself happy. I'm telling you, you ought to light up a room. You ought to have, and you know what? Don't leave your house until you feel like you got some light up the room going. That's why why we have man up in the morning so you can light up the rooms. So you can light it up at the job. Hey, that's the way you light it up. You get filled up full of the Holy Ghost. That's how you light it up. Trust me, folks who pray in the morning, light it up. Well, hallelujah. Everybody must not pray. Here we go. We're going we're gonna to try to get through this. Candles. Candles. Number, you, know, you know, 
we don't we don't really recognize this because we do it so much. And so it's kind of but candles forever, even now, even now were used to signify times. There are certain times of the year that we bring out candles even to this day. In antiquity, they didn't only use candles to signify what time it was or what season it was, but they literally used candles to tell what time it was. Whether it was an oil candle or a wax candle, they would know that if this much of the candle's gone, one hour has gone by, two hours have gone by, three hours. Candles are supposed to tell time. Senior pastor and I, today we're talking, and we... we, we Several times in our conversation, we started talking about the times we're living in. Because candles should be letting everybody know what time it is. Come on, somebody. When, you, when, you, when we leave church here tonight, there should not be one of us here that's embarrassed to be out there in public and let folks know, you better repent. You better get right with God. You're t- we're, hey, we need to wake up. We're living in crazy times. There, People everywhere are going crazy. People in Belgrade, people in Washington, people in California. You don't need to live in some some metropolitan city today to see the craziness that's going on. There's craziness going on everywhere. And, and then it's time for the church to rise up and be the candle of God and let people know, you know what? Things are things are coming, things are coming to an end. You need to get in the church while there's still time. We're heading towards some dark times. People, we gotta be ready. And we gotta tell people they need to be ready. Come on, I'm telling you, this is important. Hey, I believe with all of my heart as I was standing up here on the platform, God talked to me. And I believe like God told me, I want to make this church grow. And one of the ways Belglade is going to grow is when the people of God get out there and start letting everybody know exactly what time it is. Uh, Jesus is coming soon. You got to be in the church. Hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. This is real talk. You, everyone say me. Come on, say me. You, in some cases. Listen, I know what it is. I know what it is, Pete, to be around somebody. And God tell me, you need to tell them to get right. Their time's almost up. You see, sinners don't know what time it is. Bible says sinners are blind. Your your auntie don't know what time it is. Your uncle Richard don't know what time it is. Your girlfriend out there don't know what time it is. Your friends out there, they don't know what time it is. But God will talk to you and tell you, you need to tell them to get right. Sister Feld, I know what it is to tell somebody you need to get right. They don't listen and they die just a couple days later. And I also know what it is to run into backsliders, people that used to be living for God. And, you know, you run into them and there's that kind of awkward feeling where, where you just kind of don't know what to say. And God will talk to you, Patrick, and he'll say, hey, you know what? You need to tell them to get right. They've been out of church. And if they don't get right, their life's going to come down. I'm, I'm getting ready to bring them back. But they, they ain't right. And, and too many times I also know what it is to say, you know what? I don't want to offend them. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to clash swords. I, I don't want to get them more mad than they already are. And, 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 and they, they're bitter. And, and, but you know what? It's time to stand up and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm just telling you what I feel God's telling me to tell you. Backslider, it's time to come home. Backslider, you need to come back to church. But I hate the church. Well, the church loves you, but they did me wrong. Everybody gets done wrong. Now come back to God. Now come You know what? I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. There's some of you, amen, you're in church, your parents ain't in church, but your parents are getting sick. They're getting older. They're going to the doctors. They're about to get tests. I'm preaching good right now. There's people here, you got relatives, aunts, uncles, parents, great-grandparents, whatever. They're, they're, They're going for a checkup soon. Something ain't right. And God's been talking to you and telling you, you need to tell them what time it is. Come on, somebody. And you're thinking, you're saying, ah, no, 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 no. And you know, in some cultures, in some cultures, see, I'm, I'm Hispanic, so this happens in Hispanic cultures. Like, you you never tell your old grandma what she needs to do. <laughs> Grandma's in charge. Well, I got news for you. 
Grandma might be in charge of the family, but she ain't in charge of the universe. God's in charge of the universe. And if grandma's going to die and she ain't saved, I don't care if you Haitian. I don't care if you Jamaican. I don't care if you Hispanic. I don't care if you're blue and you came from, from the moon. You need to let grandma know it's time to get right with Jesus, grandma. It's time to get right with Jesus. Uh, you don't know what the doctor's going to tell you. You don't know. Grandma, I love you, but you may get hit by a car tomorrow. It's time to get right. It's time to get right. Come on, somebody. It's time to get right. Hey, if you don't know how to give a Bible study, you go ahead and ask us. We'll teach you how to give a Bible study. If you if you don't know what else to say, just tell them Jesus loves you, but you got to get right. Hallelujah. If you don't know what else to say, just tell them come to church. Uh, senior pastor knows what to tell you. Amen. We'll 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 get. Come on, come on. I'm I'm reaching. You know what? We got to get excited about this because I'm not I'm not just reaching for you. I'm reaching for your lost relatives. I, I believe like the Holy Ghost is moving in Belglade and it's saying it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. I want to get their uncles. I want to get their aunts. I, I want to get their cousins. I w- you know what? I'm not going to leave this. until I, I'm going to stay on this until it leaves. But you know what? Thank God for being raised in the church. Are these not some of the most beautiful kids you've ever seen? Y'all better shout. These are your kids. <laughs> kids, listen to me. I wish I was raised in church. It's, it's a good thing to be raised in church. It's a good thing to go to Christian Academy. This is good. But sometimes when you're raised in church, because we don't live in church, right? Nobody lives here. Nobody spends the night here. We go home. We go to the store. We go places. We go to our relative's house for Christmas. And everybody got some crazy relatives. And you don't need to walk around. I went out walking the other day in Belglade. I went walking. They told me I shouldn't have done that. I was walking. And I saw crazy people in Belglade. Now, I'm from the hood, so that don't, that don't scare me. I, You know. But, but you know, when you're raised in church, the devil will try to intimidate you. He'll say, come on, church boy, you ain't got nothing to say. Come on, church girl, be quiet. Look at you, look at you with your poof, be quiet. Your silly skirt. Come on, church boy, you can't say nothing. You need to let the devil know. You need to let the sin in that person's life. I got something to say. I'm not afraid. You're not going to intimidate me. There's nothing wrong with me. You need Jesus. You need help. Here's the flyer. Come to church. Come on. None of us. We're lights. We're witnesses. We're the candle of God. We don't don't let don't let the sin in some sinner's life intimidate you. You know the devil. You know here's what the Bible says. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Now, let me tell you something about gates. I don't have one at my house. But gates don't walk. Anybody here got a walking gate? Your gate don't walk. And the reason I'm saying that is because a lot of times when we preach the gates of hell shall not prevail, what we're saying is when the devil comes against us, he ain't going to win. But that's not what that's saying. Because gates don't attack nobody. You never walk out in front of your house and get tackled by a gate. You know what it's saying? It's saying that when you go to the gates of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You'll be able to walk through that gate. In fact, that is one of the prophecies in the Old Testament about God's people. It says, it says that the seed of Jacob, God's people, speaking of us, it says we shall be able to conquer our enemies. We'll be able to go through the gates. You, you know what's on the other side of the gates of hell? I'll tell, you know, I had a lady one time in our church. She... Uh, her, her father had a house, and uh, he died unexpectedly. He, he overdosed on drugs, and he died. And so she, she inherited the house, and she told, she told us, I want y'all to come over and pray for the house because there's, de- there's devils in the house. Well, ain't nobody living in the house. Devils don't want to stay on the couch. You know, people in devils in the stereo. Now, he might get in your car, but <laughs> come over, cast the devil out of the Well, the devil ain't in the house. The devil don't need a car. He don't even need a house. He, he, he's a spirit. 
The devil's not out to collect houses. You know what's on the other side of the gates of hell? Souls. Souls. Your uncle, your mother, your father, your cousin, the, the, the clerk at the store. That's what's on the other side of the gates of hell. And Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You can, I'm telling you, you can go up to that gate. You can go up to that sinner, whether they're your relative or a stranger, and you could speak the word of God into their life. And that, that, that word is going to penetrate. It's going it, to, you may not see it right away, but you give it some time. It'll, it'll crack into the hardness of their heart. And I'm telling you, every time you witness to somebody and they turn you down, you ought to turn around and say, God, let me run into them again. Let me run into them again. And I'm going to open my mouth again. And I'm not going to let the sin that has them bound intimidate me from talking to them. I don't, I don't care if I was raised in church. I have a testimony. And my testimony is that if you get saved, you'll never have to do drugs. If you get saved, you'll never have to. You'll never will live in depression. You never will. Oh, Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. We need, to, we need to praise God right now. I feel something in this. Come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Somebody shout glory. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Jesus said, you are a city. A city set on a hill. And then he said this, which can't be hid. Now, what does he mean by this? You are a city set on a hill. Now, at first this sounds kind of neat. Like, you know, I live on a mountain. Yeah. And, uh, but in the, in the times of Jesus, being a city on a hill wasn't necessarily a great thing. Why? Because when, a, when an army would invade a country, the first thing they're going to see is the city on the hill. You're the most visible thing out there. Somebody shout amen. You're the most visible thing out there. And although the armies feel tempted to go get you, they can't get you. Because you're so high. But you're visible. And your protection is in your height. And Jesus says, you are a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. And what Jesus is saying is, don't hide. You can't hide. Live your life openly. You know, you know, senior pastor, when I got saved, and I believe this, I believe this to this day, I was just taught that you should live the kind of life that anybody can come up in your house and not find nothing. I got about three amens on that one. There ain't nothing in the closet. The church said, there ain't nothing under the bed. There ain't nothing on the computer. There ain't nothing in the car. I don't got a secret Britney Spears CD. I don't got 50 cent under the pillow. It's getting quiet in here. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of Christians that the, their Christianity stops at the door. I know a lot of people, they are okay with being told all kinds of stuff here in church, but they don't take it home. I know people that don't want you coming over their house. I know people that don't want you coming over their house. They will not invite you. If you come over, they will open the door. Hi. Oh, I'm preaching really good now. It's, it's getting tense in here. That's all right. I'm going to preach till you open the door. Can I tell you something? The power of your Christianity is in living an open life. You know what? Because when, when, when you have that open life and you're just, you can be seen by everybody and everybody sees there ain't nothing to see. It's just you and the presence of God in your life. You don't have no secret sin. You ain't got no secrets. You, you, you ain't creeping. You ain't on the down low. You just being you. You loving God. I want to be just like you. Because you know what? People are tired of living secret lives. Everybody wants to come out. 
You know, everybody wants to say, you know what, I live the kind of life, I have the kind of power that allows me to step out of the house just as I am. You know why a lot of people make fun of you because you don't wear makeup? Because they can't do it. They can't even go take out the, the garbage without looking like a war chief. And the truth is, they hate you because you can. Hey, my wife might not paint herself up, but let me tell you, she looks good all the time. Because because she. Hey, I'm telling you, there's there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Amen. With with not having to paint it up and there's nothing wrong. There's 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 nothing more glorious than a person that has the, the glory of God living inside of them. They are confident about who they are. There's nothing to hide. They're living their life openly. There's nothing in the car. There's nothing in the closet. There's nothing under the bed. It may be a little bit of money, but outside of that, amen, it's all good. Uh, but they're living, they're, they're living their life openly. And God says, you know what? If you're not afraid to live your life openly, I won't be afraid to back you up. I won't be afraid to keep you safe. The Bible says, the Bible says the evil one cannot touch you. The devil cannot touch you. You are strong. Somebody shout amen. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But he said this, he said, salt is good unless it loses its flavor. Look at your neighbor say, keep it salty. <laughs> now, how does salt t- stay salty? This is a good question. And, and I've thought about this a lot. You know, man, if you salt, how does salt lose its flavor? You want to know how salt loses its flavor? When you mix it with other minerals, you mix salt with pepper, paprika, whatever, it doesn't taste so salty. And Jesus is saying, don't lose the saltiness. And what he's saying is, don't mix with nothing. Come on, somebody. The way you stay salty is by not mixing it up. What do you mean mix it up? I'll tell you what I mean by mix it up. I mean be separate from the world. 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 When you stay separate. Listen, when I came to God, I was crazy. I was out of my mind. I had I had piercings in my face, I have tattoos everywhere. But you know what, senior pastor, I didn't want anybody that looked like me talking to me about Jesus. Because I knew that if you look like me, you show enough don't have God in your life. I don't care. I don't care if you carry a big family Bible in your backpack. You ain't got God if you're looking like me. If you got as many holes in your face as I do, you ain't got God. If you got as many tattoos as I do, you ain't got God. If you if you still sagging your pants, you ain't got God. It, you still cussing, you ain't got God. Hey, I promise you. I, 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 man, I promise you. I, I used to cuss all day long. I used to make up cuss words. I was bad. I, I, I mixed them up, put them, I, I was good. I promise you, the day I got saved, the day I got the Holy Ghost, I quit cussing. I, I, and I didn't even try. I was shocked. I remember I went to go cuss. I remember I was, I was, I was, I was cleaning the house. Because, you know, you get saved, you start cleaning stuff up. That's another message. I was cleaning the house, and I went beneath the kitchen sink, and I banged my foot, and I I got ready to just start cussing. And right when I lifted up my hand and opened up my mouth, I felt a little voice say, don't talk like that. And I said, okay. (laughs) Come on. Don't mix it up. Hey, girls, when you're hanging out with your sinner friends and everybody got friends or sinner relatives or whatever, don't talk like they talk. Be a light. Be a witness. Be salt. Hey, boys, don't tell the same dirty jokes the other boys are telling. Keep your mouth clean. Keep your heart clean. Hey, brother, don't cuss your wife out and then want to sing. We don't do that around here. If you're still cussing at home, throwing stuff, got a bad testimony in front of your kids and wife, it's time to pray through tonight and get the salt back in your life. Come on. You know, 
There's a lot of fashion out there. You know what? I got news for you. You could dress nice, look nice, and still be saved. Because you know some people think, man, if I'm saved, man, I'm going to be looking like a grandma all day. I'm going to look like some on-fire Amish person or something. Hey, there's a lot of nice clothes out there. You don't got to mix it up. You, you don't got to take it off. You don't got to wear tight clothing. You, don't, you, don't gotta, you know what? Let me tell you something that's beautiful about the church. If a, now, you know, there's always those loser guys. But, you know, girls in general here, if a guy's interested in you, it's going to be because of you. See, in the world, guys are interested in, in, in how everything looks. That's right. But here in the church, we preach, don't show off your body, show off your soul. Show off your spirit. This is good preaching. Come on, this is. Problem with this is they attract men. The tighter it gets, the more losers you'll get. Hey, big boys, let me tell you something. Belgrade, don't be dressing like the thugs. Number one might get in trouble. I'm glad to help right now. I'm reaching for this. is your turn for you. are shouting. Don't try thugs. Real talk. The other day I was like, man, that's some nice joy. And I thought, no, I'm not. No one, I don't want it. I don't want trouble versus some parents. I don't want trouble. I don't want to get hit. I want to get jumped. I want to get hurt. Especially for a pair of shoes. Punch me because I'm preaching, but don't punch me over my. Come on, this is good. I'm not. I'm not here to run your life. I'm not trying. I want to keep you out of trouble. I'm telling you, you can look snazzy, you can look cool, you can look clean, you can look chiseled, you can look nice, you could be. But but don't don't feel like you got to look like the world. There ain't nothing out there. Amen. It's it's all games. It's all facades. It's all imagery. Amen. You you too, young men. Let your spirit shine. Let your soul shine. Be a light. Be a witness. Uh, don't mix it up. You're gonna lose the soul. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. We don't need to mix it up. Amen. God, and I'm almost done here. I'm not going to keep you here much longer. God wants us to understand who we are in relation to him. Romans chapter 2 and 28, the apostle Paul pulls no punches. And he says that now there is neither Jew nor Gentile. You know what's really powerful is when Peter is praying at Simon the Tanner's house. He sees, he sees a big blanket, a big sheet with two kinds of animals, clean animals and unclean animals. Does anybody know where the sheet came from? From heaven. From heaven. Everyone say from heaven. Now, those animals represented humans. I'll tell you why. Because to the Jews, anybody who wasn't Jewish was an animal. This blanket full of clean and unclean animals came from heaven. And you know what God was saying? Everybody comes from me. And even after the vision was over, it came back into heaven. And, what, and, and then God told Peter, he said, that which I've called clean, that which I've cleansed, don't you call it common or unclean? That word unclean, if you look it up in the Bible, in Greek, the only time it's used is in reference to demons. And when Peter told God, he said, I don't need anything uncommon or unclean. It's the same word you'll see, unclean spirit. He's saying, I don't need anything dirty, and I don't mess with devils. And God God was trying to help Peter understand, just because they ain't Jewish don't mean they're a devil. You know, you got the nation of Islam guys, Farrakhan's boy. They'll tell you anybody who's white is a devil. I'm preaching. I'm not afraid to preach like this. Come on, this... This gets, this, you know, it's easy to start a race riot. It's easy to get Asians worked up, Mexicans worked up, black people worked up. It's easy to get white people worked up. You just tell them, that person over there, they're different than you. Whoa, 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 whoa. And God says, I don't play those games. Everybody's mine. Black, white, brown, yellow, everybody's mine. Hey, come on, somebody, you need to help me preach. 
Because I know they'll come up. There's, there's, there's all kinds of weird religions these days, and they try to, they try to separate people, and they try to, they try to incite race wars, and, and don't go to the Chinese man's store, and don't eat there, and, 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 and that guy's white, and he's bad, and he's black, and he ain't no good, and he don't even speak English, and, and they ain't no good, and they steal, and they do. Hey, we don't do that around here. We're all God's people. We're all God's people. We don't care if you speak French, Spanish, Creole, white. Chinese, we don't care what you, we don't care if you speak busted English. We love you. You're God's. God made you. You're in his image. You want to be one of his people. You're welcome here. I'm your brother. This is your sister. We love you. Somebody shout, I came from heaven. Amen. God created you in his image. Don't you let anybody make you feel bad for who you are or what your color is or what your language is. This is good for you. I'm sorry. I know what it is to have people try to make me feel bad for what I am. Number one, you know I hate all this brown pride, black pride, white pride. What are you proud about? You didn't choose to be that color. You could be proud about being employee of the month, but you didn't do nothing to be black. Pete, we didn't do nothing to be Hispanic. I just am Hispanic. I didn't. I don't work at it. <laughs> I don't need a. I don't need a medal over it. I don't need a shirt for it. I'll be proud about climbing a mountain or something. I did that. But don't let anybody make you feel bad for who you are. You had no choice in that. And the other beautiful thing is that you had no choice, and God didn't give you one, in being made in his image. You were made in the image of God. God loves you, and you can't do nothing about it. Come on, somebody. God loves you, and you can't do nothing about it. And the Bible wants you to know that if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. I want to kick that spirit out that's telling you you can't get a job because you're Mexican. You can't get a job because you're too white. You can't get a job because you're too black. I want to kick that spirit out of here. If God be for you, who can be against you? You can get a job anywhere. You can go to school and get good grades. You can, be, you can make it in life. Come on, the blessings of God are on you. The blessings of God are on you. The blessings of God are on you. You are God's... I was, I'm preaching good. We need a, you know, there's got to be a spirit here in this church. And I'm not saying that there's not, but I'm saying it has to, we got to bring it up one notch. There's got to be a spirit here of, of you are, you're welcome in this place. I'm telling you, people ought to come to this church and walk out with, with sore wrists from everybody shaking their hands so much. I mean, you ought to be the most handshaking, smiling church. I mean, you ought to walk out of here with your mouth hurting from smiling so much. That's good preaching. You don't like that. I like that. I thought that was really good. <laughs> this ought not be a church where we stare at people because of their color or because they're or because they have physical inability. I know a guy church I come out of, I know a guy, real talk, I know a guy, has half a tongue, is deaf, has no arms, and he used to hang out right there by the church all day, all day, used to hang out, I mean, and he can't hardly see, he just died, but the church reached out to him, his name's Mike Greer, reached out to him, they won him to God, we put that man in water with half a tongue, can't hear, almost blind, no arms, and when he came out of that water, that half a tongue was doing this, and he was speaking in tongues. And Mike, Mike, who ain't got no arms, half a tongue, can't hear, can't even hardly see, just walks around, would walk around town, all over the church, walk around town, he didn't care, he'd walk around town, walk around town, and, and, and people would notice him. He even wants some people to God. He even wants some people to God. 
If somebody comes in this church without an arm, without an eye, don't be staring. Come on, just welcome it in. Just come on in. Come on in. We don't care if you ain't got legs, arms. We, we don't teeth. We don't care. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome to God's house. Uh, we're your brothers. We're your sisters. Well, you are God's son and daughter. That's what the Bible calls you. Sons of God. Daughters of God. You ain't God's grandkids. In fact, God don't have grandkids. You are God's son. You ain't God's nephew. You know, I got nephews. I love my nephews, but not like I love my daughter. You ain't God's cousin. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. I think that's a big deal. I don't know about you. Come on. You need to believe that because the devil tell you you're God's enemy. God hates you. God don't want you. God don't got none. No, you need to let the devil know. You need to let yourself know. You need to look in the mirror and tell you, you are God's daughter. You are God's son. And God loves you. God loves He ain't trying to throw you away. He's trying to keep you in. He's not trying to get rid of you. He wants you. Uh, he don't hate you. He loves you. Uh, Somebody shout amen. You know, I'm going somewhere. We're going to get to the walls and gates here in a minute. I'm almost done. You're probably wondering, what is the title of this message got to do with any of this? You know, really weird in the Bible. There's a really weird saying in the Bible. God tells his people, he said, you are the apple of my eye. In Spanish, it's even weirder. It says, Eres la niña de mis ojos. You are the little girl in my eye. And uh, in Hebrew, it's even weirder. It reads, Ishenot. And what it says in Hebrew is, You are the little man in my eye. Now, Patrick here is a pretty tall guy, pretty big guy. But if I stare at Patrick, you know what you'll see in my pupil? A little Patrick. Y'all get that? It don't matter how big somebody is, no matter how short. When If I stare at you, you are the little man in my eye. And that you know what God is saying? He's saying, I stare at you all day. I watch over you all day. I'm crazy about you. I, come on, I'm trying. You know what? I know what it is to feel lonely. I know, I know what it is to feel like you're surrounded by people you don't know. I know, I know what it is to feel like I just want to go home. I just want to be and, 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 and feel God's presence come into my life and say, you know what? You're not alone. I love you. You're the little man in my eye. You're the little woman in my eye. I'm staring at you. I look over you. Hey, don't be afraid. When you're in the hospital, don't be afraid. God's watching you. Amen. When you, when, you, when you lose your job, don't be afraid. God's watching you. Amen. When you're sick, don't be afraid. God's watching you. When you got to go to school, don't be afraid. God's watching you. When you're walking through a valley, don't be afraid. God's watching you. I'm somebody right now. Devil's been telling you you're all alone. You ain't all alone. Huh? Devil's been telling you God don't see. God does see. In fact, you're... the. David said it like this. He says, what is man huh, that you are mindful? Your mind is full of him. Huh? What is man that you are mindful of him? When I consider the stars, the heavens, and the galaxies, and you're staring at me. Come on, Jeff. Some of you. You think so? You, you think somebody looking at you because you look at you? Oh, you gotta watch that. You ought to feel better about yourself because God is staring at you. He just he loves you like that. You can't even do nothing about it. He just loves you like that. He's just crazy about you like that. You don't. Oh man.
You may be seated. I'm going to finish this here. Of all the beautiful titles God could give us, he says, you are my bride. You're my bride. You're my bride. John looked out into heaven, and he saw the bride of Christ. And he said this, she was adorned with walls and gates. The church should have walls and gates around it. If there ain't no walls and there ain't no gates, it ain't a church. If it ain't got walls and it ain't got gates, it ain't a church. You know, there's a lot of churches these days, senior pastor, they don't have walls. They let anything in there. They don't realize who they are. They don't realize who they're supposed to be to the world. They don't realize how much God loves them. And God says, my church will have walls and gates. My church has something precious inside of it. You know, you got people, this is real, you got people say, I'm not going to that church. They tell you how to dress over there. That's bondage. Girl, I'm free. Why you go to that church over there? Pastor all up in your business. Devil got a way of turning things around. Listen, I'd I'd rather have the pastor all up in my business than the devil all up in my business. And when you ain't got walls and when you ain't got gates, the devil is going to be all up in your business. When you ain't got no walls and you ain't got no gates, the devil's in your house all day. But when you... You know why we got what you, you know, I know you guys got the academy here, but if you were to go, for example, if you were to go to a public school, one of the first things you'll notice is they got big gates around the school. And you never hear nobody complaining. You'll never hear a parent say, what is this big gate around the school? My kids should be free. You know why? No, you know what? I used to work at a bank. It was real funny because a lot of people used to think that we had all the money like in the vault. Your money ain't in, if you don't know, I'm some people think that here. If you don't, your money's not in the vault. <laughs> but if it was like it used to be, tell me you'd want the bank to not have a, a wall there or a gate. You just want the vault open all day. Why nobody complains about the gate at the school? Because there's precious little children inside those gates. You know why nobody complains about the vault door? You, you know what goes behind vaults? Anything precious. That, I remember one guy when I used to work at the bank. He had a, a safety deposit box and little Filipino guy. <laughs> My wife's Filipino. But and I, I used to have, you know, it was like it had a dual lock. So I'd, I'd have to turn one key. He turned the other key, so I got to see what he had in there. And he wanted me to see. He didn't care. He pulled that thing out, and he had he had twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar Rolexes. And trust me, he wanted there to be two keys, two locks, and a big fat metal door. He never complained. Because he understood, I got Rolexes in here. Honey, when you realize what lives inside of you, you are not going to be complaining, tripping, because pastor said, don't do this and don't do that. Because pastor said, our kids aren't going there. You're going to say, hallelujah, that's my little Rolex. That's my little diamond right there. That's my baby, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, when, when senior pastor tells us we ain't doing that and you realize what lives inside of you, you're going to say hallelujah because what's inside of me is going to get me into heaven. What's inside we... You know what we're trying to protect? You know what we're trying to protect? We're trying to protect our relationship with God. 
There's nothing more precious on planet earth than a relationship with God. The apostle Peter said it this way. He said, knowing that everything on this earth is going to burn in fire, what kind of people should we be in our manner of conduct and in our conversation? And what, if you don't understand what he's saying by that, in very simple terms, he's saying, it's all going to burn. Don't nothing matter but your relationship with God. Hey, Patrick, Patrick, you ain't got kids yet, but when you have kids, several, <laughs> when they get old enough, do you guys have a junkyard around here? A dump? You guys have a dump around here? You know what? This is good. All the parents. Tomorrow, if you got some time, take all the kids to the dumps, to the junkyard. Stand right there, cover your nose, and tell the kids, this is where it all ends up. Your shoes will be there one day. Your toys will be there one day. Mama's car will be there one day. Our house will be there one day. But our soul has to go up there. Our soul has to go up there. All this stuff don't matter. All this stuff don't matter. What matters is our relationship with God. What matters is this tongue talking. What matters is what we feel when we're singing. What matters... What matters is souls. What matters is people. What matters is church. What matters is the gospel. What matters is revival. And we'll do anything to protect it, to contend for it. To We'll wrap our arms around it. We'll die for it. We'll live for it. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's just worship God for once. Some of you young kids that are going to academy, you ought to thank God. I feel like there's some young kids here. You've been you've been tripping. You've been complaining. Maybe nobody's heard you, but you've been saying to yourself, I, w- I, w- I wish I went to school with John John. I wish I went to school with my cousins. You don't wish you went to school there. We're protecting you. We're building walls and gates around you. You are precious. We love you. It's, we're not trying to smother you. We're trying to bless you. We're trying to keep you pure. I'm telling you, there ain't one adult in this room that if we gave them the mic, they wouldn't tell you. You know what? There ain't nothing in this world. You stay in church. You serve God. You go to school. You you be honest. You be clean. You be holy. God's going to give you a good husband, a good wife. You'll be thankful that we kept you. You'll be thankful that there was somebody in your business telling you, you know what? Don't go there. Be here. Do right. I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I wish. You know what happened to me? And I know I'm taking my time. And I know it's I know it's Wednesday night. I ain't trying to keep you. You know what happened to me when I got into church? My mom, I love my mom. She's hardworking. You know what? She she hit me like one time. It was actually pretty good too, but just one time. She like hit me with a hanger and she just let me have it. But, but when I got in church, and you know in church, they discipline kids. We just do. And when I saw kids getting disciplined, I thought, man, I wish I would have got hit. (laughs) See, you don't get it because when you're young, you're like, man, mama just hitting me. Daddy rough. (laughs) But you know what I realized when I saw kids in church being disciplined? I thought, that's how you learn what no means. I didn't know what no means. I didn't know what it meant, don't steal cars. I didn't know what don't do drugs means. I didn't know what the principal meant when he said, if you come in here again, you're in trouble. Because I had never been disciplined. I did not understand that there's consequences to my actions. And as I got older, I realized, you know what, it's good. It's good to have some walls and gates in your life. It's good to have somebody in your life that says, you better not. 
great preaching. Here's now, now, now we got we got a little problem here, and I'm going to just touch on it because you always got parents that they don't they don't want to discipline. He don't know my baby. She's perfect. She's usually the worst one. And the only reason nobody's told you is because you don't take it good. You backslide over it and stuff. So we've left you alone. Well, Chubby came to get on your nerves. Here's what the Bible says. Spare the rod. Spoil the child. If you really want to ruin your kid's life, just don't do nothing. Just yes, yes, yes. Go ahead, baby. It won't be too long till baby going to jail. It won't be too long till she come home pregnant. It won't be too. Come on, some of you have been in church long enough to know I'm preaching the truth. You've seen it happen. You know I'm telling the truth. I've been in church. This is not my first, this is not my first rodeo. I've been in church long enough. Here's what the Bible says. Children that are not obedient to their parents, it says their days will not be long on planet Earth. I've seen it over and over and over, Sister Felt. All my friends that have died young, none of them listen to their mom and dad. Life will go by like. In fact, the Bible says, and that is that is the first commandment with promise. I promise you, your life will be short. Kids, you ought to be thankful you got a mom and a dad that wants to know where you at, telling you you coming, what time you coming home, telling you what what is and what is not going to be in your wardrobe. This is a good thing. You'll see one day. I'm not. I know there's somebody in here thinking he's just trying to brainwash everybody. You right, I am. I'm trying I'm not just brainwashing. I want you to be blood washed. Amen. This ain't a brainwashing. This is a blood washing. I want the blood of Jesus on your life. You are precious. You're made in the image of God. You have dignity. You have a future. God's got plans for you. We don't want to see that thrown away, spoiled, tainted, stained. I believe that there are great young ladies that are going to come out of Bell Glade. I believe that there are great young men that are going to come out of Bell Glade. Preachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets and pastors. I, I believe we even got some missionaries in here. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe we got some great saints of God. And, and I believe we got some people here that want to go to heaven. Heaven. I'm done. You know, Pastor Urshan and I have a friend, real smart guy, real smart, smart, smart guy. And he was going to, he was going to a seminary. And there was a woman there who was real smart, real smart lady, spoke Greek, read her Bible in Greek, did math in Greek, everything was Greek, ate Greek salad. I mean, she was just Greek. And one day she knew, she knew that our friend was apostolic. She knew he was a tongue talker, holiness, one God. And she pulled him aside. And she said, I know what you believe. She said, I want to tell you something. She said, I've been teaching at this, because he went to a theology seminary, like a Bible college. She said, I've been teaching at this Bible college for 30 odd years. She said, I teach preachers. She said, and you know what? She said, for 20 of those years, I wasn't even living for God. She said, I was raised in the church. She said, but somewhere, the fire went out. She said, and one day I was here in my office correcting papers. She said, and these two little old ladies came into my room. And they said, we want to invite you to prayer meeting. And she said, everything in me wanted to say no. She said, and I can't figure out why. I opened up my mouth and said, okay. And she said, she went to that prayer meeting with those two little old ladies. And those two little old ladies got their hands on her head. And they would not let her go till she prayed through. She said, never in my life did I feel what I felt that night. She said, those little old ladies put their hands on me. She said, I started speaking another tongue. She said, the first thing I did, she said, I went home and I got rid of anything. Anything that made me feel like I had less Holy Ghost.
She said, I went so long without it. She said, I refuse to let anything in my life that's going to make me feel like I got less of it. See, that's what we're fighting for here. There's no more beautiful feeling in the world than to know you're full of God. Let's stand. I know we're not shouting right now. I know we're not running. But I believe in just a couple of seconds we can lift our hands and get full of God. I believe we can all pray right now and walk out of here with our cups full. With our candles trimmed. Come on, if you have the Holy Ghost, just pray right now. Oh, Jesus. Come on, young lady. It's time for you to throw your hands up and pray. Not because anybody's asking you to. Not because anybody's